Oh, what a blessing and delight to be able to share this time together with all of you. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. You know, our theme, it's breakthrough. And I want to return again to the parable, one of the most remarkable teachings of Jesus, at least in regards to awakening our imagination to what it looks like to open up our lives to him. But I want to return to the parable of the sower and its unique connection to our theme from the previous year. Sow, water, and reap. <laughs> yeah, it's what we want to see happening in us, through us, around us, in our church. Just everywhere we go, we want to spread the good news of Jesus in a world of bad news, in a world that is misunderstanding so much of who Jesus is. We want to be part of the solution. We want to be of the of the healthy, life-giving, loving solution. Um, what I mean by that is we want to be people who are conduits of blessing. And like the sower in the field, we, we share the good news wherever we go in whatever way we can. We are peacemakers, life-givers, blessers. Yeah, difference makers in the best way for the things of the Lord. So my prayer even now, Lord, is that you would, you would work your breakthrough in us and through us. That is my prayer. Yes. In Jesus name. So, uh, let us return again to the, uh, shore of the sea of Galilee and see Jesus in our mind's eye sitting in the boat as the water, the gentle waters of the Galilee lap against the shore. And if we can imagine Jesus on a boat, not that far off, right? Um, teaching and giving us timeless principles that will bring us into this moment. Matthew 13, verse number one, I'm going to actually be sharing from the NLT. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. And a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat and then he sat there and he taught as the people stood on the shore. That's the picture we're given. And perhaps as we shared last week, as Jesus taught, he could in the distance see uh, the sower sowing in the fields up from the seashore. Um, and so in a distance, the lesson came alive. Jesus went on to say that a sower went out to sow. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and, and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop, a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And, and then Jesus said this, anyone 
with ears to hear, should listen and understand. Yes. And then jumping to verse 14 of Matthew 13, a little further down, Jesus makes this statement. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. But then Jesus said, but blessed are your eyes. I feel like he's, he's saying that to you right now, but blessed are your eyes for they see and blessed are your ears for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. They did not see it and to hear what you hear. And they did not hear it. And some of the things that just stand out just so profoundly to me that I think are worth noting and, and having us, you know, just zero in on one. And I hope we understand this because I just, I just love it in that end of that, that 15th verse where it says, and I would heal them. I mean, I, I just don't want to let go of that, that the heart of Jesus is to heal. And I so connect to that. He's the healer. Um, he's the healer of the body. Some of us may need that healing right now. And this has been a time when so many are fearful. And I think in some legitimate ways because of the, the impact and loss and death that we see all around us, that we're fearful of what can happen to our bodies. And we would pray for healing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. We ask Lord, even now that you would heal our bodies. And then we're not just talking about, about the COVID We're we're talking about anything that would afflict us physically. Maybe some of us are struggling with other illnesses. For many of us, it has to do with the healing of our mind and our emotions. And we just are feeling quite worn down and we need his healing touch. For others of us, it's spiritual. And what I mean by that is we sense a tremendous amount of oppression. And it's not just the depression that maybe we're experiencing, but kind of a darkness that we sense is trying to close in and suffocate us and steal away the life of God at work in us. But I keep coming back to this. Jesus wants to heal people. You know, I've, I've heard it said, hurt people, hurt people. And you've heard me say that. And it's true. It's true all the time. Hurt people, hurt people, but healed people, heal people. And I know that he is the healer. One of my favorite descriptions of Jesus was that he was the gentle healer. He still, he still heals today. And wherever we allow him in, healing will flow. But Jesus also makes it clear. I think it's important for us to note this as well, that healing is always contingent and especially the kind of healing he was referring to directly in this teaching, which had to do with the, uh, a spiritual healing that would affect everything else, but it was a spiritual healing that he was really pushing into, especially as it related to, to him. And he says, you know, healing, the healing that I bring is contingent on 
seeing and hearing that, that the healing comes when we can see and when we can hear and that that's what he longed for everyone to have happen to them. And he still wants that today. I know there's a lot of confusion. I know there's a lot of even wrong that's been done in the name of Jesus. But at the end of the day, if we, we can't, we can't be healed. If we can't open up and see him and hear him like that, like that is a, a absolute essential part. So in many ways, the Christian life is, is, is about learning how to see and learning how to hear and stay open and attentive to the promptings of the Lord. And then the other thing that just, just totally makes me come alive really is when we're reminded of how blessed we are. And right now I am talking about those of us, those of you who know him. And even that is by his grace. But as Jesus pointed out, how truly blessed you are to be able to hear and see how blessed you are really to be able to comprehend the depth and the width and the height of the love of Christ, how blessed you are to have faith for even just the faith, the size of a seed of a mustard, right? A mustard seed, um, can move mountains in our lives. But Jesus said, do you understand how blessed you are to hear these words flow from me? Many prophets and, and righteous people longed for the day when they could see what you see. And that if that was true of the people on the shore of the sea of Galilee, it's even more true for us because his words are available and his spirit is available in a way that is unlike anything that they even could have experienced. But going back to the parable, let's sit with it a bit more. Some of the ground was hard. It was hard on the outside. So the seed couldn't get in. Remember what he said? Hard ground hindered from the start, resistant, either unwilling or incapable of understanding or receiving what it is that Jesus was trying to get. That's still true today. Hard hearts, how they got hard, I don't know. But hard hearts, the word can't get in there. Some ground, Jesus said, though, the second kind was soft on the outside, but hard on the inside. So the seed, <laughs> you know, whereas in the first case, the seed couldn't even get in because um, it was so hard. The, the second example Jesus uses, the seed actually does get in. The ground is soft, but then underneath it, not too far down is, is rock. And it, it hasn't, it doesn't have the ability to go deep. And so what grows once the sun hits it, it withered away and dies. The disappointments, the persecutions of life, wearing it down and revealing the lack of depth. Depth is such a part of uh, a growing Christian life. I just, you know, can't overemphasize the importance of not simply following Jesus at a surface level. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Some ground Jesus also said was so filled with weeds and thorns that the seed couldn't survive. Couldn't get in, couldn't survive the competition, if you will. Right. And so <laughs> it was literally choked to death as Jesus described it, choked to death by what he called the, the cares of this life. Um, but then Jesus said that fourth kind of ground, that fourth 
description of the soil, which is really a reflection of a human heart. He said, that is good ground. And um, the seed, he says, can take root in that ground and germinate and grow and flourish with a kind of exponential dynamism. And it's clear from the explanation that Jesus was giving to his disciples and everyone who was listening in that moment. But later on, he gives specific explanation to his disciples and insight into what he was trying to get at. It's clear that Jesus was saying, I'm the sower. And this message that I bring about who I am and what God is doing among us, that message is the seed containing in it the, the life-giving dynamic of the kingdom. And he's asserting that when it is planted in the right soil, the good soil, not perfect, but good, it can produce amazing, astonishing results. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold of harvest. And so remember this, that the key to breakthrough, at least in the kingdom of Jesus, is always going to be connected to receptivity, humility, and openness. I, I mean, there's no substitute for it. The scriptures consistently remind us not to be stubborn, but to be open. And that, that openness can, can do um, amazing things because it's, it's the one prerequisite. The humility to be open is what opens up for us the provision of the Lord. It's a reminder that we, we got to really guard against being proud, but especially stubborn as well. <laughs> um, in fact, I was reminded of a verse in Psalm 32, verse 9. Every now and then I remind myself of it. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, <laughs> which must be curbed with bit and br bridle, or it will not stay near you. That was the ESV. The horse as it is by nature, wild, ungoverned, or as the mule. The mule, <laughs> I think a lot of us know this, is distinguished for its inclination to resist. I think all of us have heard the phrase, uh, as stubborn as a mule, right? Sometimes I think I hear the Lord saying that to me. Uh, so what's it going to take for you to work with me? You're being as stubborn as a mule. You're resisting me. Let go. Trust me. Obey me. Yield. Yield. Yield your plans, your attitudes, especially that last one, those attitudes. Oh boy. Uh, <clears throat> Remembering that what we won't let be won't let us be. I've heard the Lord say that to me on more than a few occasions over the years. You're just being stubborn. You're stubborn as a mule. And then, of course, I remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. And this, this passage I want to share from the message, which sometimes just, I don't know. I just think it gets it perfect or at least really accurate in a way that it's just different and gritty. And I don't know. I love it. Sometimes it doesn't always hit, but when it does, oh, it's, it's, it's sweet. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out? The words of Jesus burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me. Oh, I love that. And you'll recover your life. You know, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. You know, that's the come unto me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. If it is, it's not of him. Keep company with me. 
and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I've always loved the phrase since I first read the rendering, the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, when we walk with the shepherd, life just works better, doesn't it? <laughs> it just works better. When we keep company with the, the Lord, um, we can learn to live lightly and freely and unhindered. We can face anything and we've had to face some really hard things and maybe some of us are still facing them. And I'm not just talking about what's going on at a societal level. I'm talking about what's going on inside the contours of our life, our relationships, our fears, our dreams, our, our challenges that maybe sometimes even other people aren't even aware of the demons that haunt us, the darkness that creeps back up and sometimes tries to grip us, suffocate the life out of us. You know, the Lord reminds us that with him, we can face anything. We got to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The Lord, I'm reminded of this, is my shepherd, I shall not want, which means the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack for nothing. All that I need, he can give me. Again, let's not be like the mule of the psalm, right? Obstinate, resistant to the Lord's proddings and appeals. A lot of times God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get us to move, right? I, you know, I have this picture in my mind of a mule refusing to buzz, just leaning back on its hind quarters, heels dug in, you know, let's, you know, I, <laughs> not going to move. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do it, right? I feel like sometimes that's what it, what we can be spiritually when the Lord's trying to get our attention to address certain things or in our life when he's trying to get us to give him some attention or give a certain situation more attention and we're just fighting God. Are you fighting God right now? Is there something in our life that you're holding back, you're digging your heels on and the Lord is saying, stop that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let me, let me work my rhythm in your life. My way is easy. My burden is light. You know, my yoke is easy. You know, what is remarkable about what Jesus is suggesting is, and I go back to the parable here and what he said at the back end of it, is that we actually have the power to thwart um, the gospel. Um, we have the power to both thwart it or set it in motion. Now that's what I mean, but I'm talking about in, our, in terms of our own heart. It's, it's all dependent, Jesus taught us, on how we choose to receive it. That's why sometimes the smartest person in the room can get nowhere with God when sometimes the person who has maybe far less training or is far more troubled can make great progress because it has to do with openness and receptivity. Um, our attitude, our willingness to engage what the Lord is, is inviting us into. So let's not be willful, loved one. Let's be willing. I'll say it again. Let's not be willful. Let's be willing. Uh, let's be like Jesus who said on that moment when everything was on the line, not my will, but father, yours be done. The perfect prayer of God's anointed son, not my will, but yours be done. The song, you know, 
Um, not my will, but yours be done. In these seven simple words, the Vitrice won the perfect prayer of God's anointed son. Not my will, but yours be done. You know, I don't want to be a, a horse or a mule who needs a bit to follow. I want to, I don't want to have to be pulled uh, resistantly. I want to, I want to, out of my own free will, choose you, my blessed savior. I want to, I want to go your way. I want to, I want to follow in your, your good path because you're the good shepherd and I need you so much. So how do we, as we head into the rest of the year with one month now behind us, how do, and, and 11 ahead of us, we've got 11 more to come. <laughs> and if any, and if last year taught us anything, never assume anything, <laughs> right? So in the, accept him, accept the Lord's faithfulness at work in our lives. But in these next 11 months of the year, let's stay receptive in order to secure the harvest that he wants to bring the 30, 60 and hundred that he wants to bless us with. Again, Jesus said, verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth that many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. You know, I want to be a person who hears the voice of the Lord all around me. Um, all creation, the scripture says, testifies of the Lord. Jesus encouraged us. I love this. He encouraged us to consider the lilies of the field. And he said, when you look upon the beauty of the flowers, remember that they were more beautifully arrayed than Solomon in all his glory. And that's true. Sometimes a, heart, a field of color uh, can open us up to the goodness of God. You know, I, I was reminded of, uh, of something Christina Rossetti said in one of her poems that flowers preach to us if we will hear. Flowers preach to us if we will hear. <laughs> Come on now, are we listening? The beauty of the Lord is all around us in the night sky and the sun shining through the tree, the smile, of someone we love and the listening ear of a caring friend. I see you, Lord. I see you, Lord. I see you in the morning light. You know, who can say the joy this day, this week will bring? Who can say the joy this month will bring? Who can say the joy this year will bring? You know, we talk about what can go wrong. Let's focus on what can go right. <laughs> Why not? Right? Let's, and then on top of that, just sticking with the teaching of Jesus, let's keep tending the soil of our heart, you guys. Let's, let's, and what, what, how do you do that? You do it by filling, by filling our lives with good words, good words, not bad words, God's words. So good words and God's words, right? I'm working off the parable. Let's keep it soft. Let's keep our hearts soft and tender and humble. Let's not resist God. You know, my son, the scripture says, do not despise uh, the Lord's correction. In Proverbs 3, verse 7, 7 through 10, from the NLT, it summarizes what I'm getting at. Look at this. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord, honor him, reverence him, and turn away from evil. And then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. 
You know, honor the Lord with your wealth. Look at that. And with the best part of everything you produce. Some of you, um, well, I do it too. We honor the Lord with our first fruits, our tithe and our offerings. We bring them unto the Lord and we store them, as it were, in heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves can't break in and steal. We honor the Lord covenantially walking in promise. Um, it's a way of life. Verse 10, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. What that is saying is that God will bless you in ways that go far beyond what you, what you give to him. Because as we, I, I think we understand, we can never outgive the Lord. My child, this is a good word for us. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Um, don't be upset when he corrects you. I've known his correction. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. I mean, no discipline isn't love. It uh, actually ends up producing destruct destruction and pain. Uh, true love is willing to correct. Uh, and that's something that the Lord will do in our lives at times. He loves us, so he will discipline us. I, I'd, I'd rather not be ignored. I mean, the Lord, if the Lord didn't care, he wouldn't, he wouldn't um, correct us. It's a sign of his love when the Lord is trying to move us along. So I need to be open to him. I don't want to be like a stubborn mule. I want to be a person rather who's committed to a deepening life with God out of a chosen part of my own will. And that's another truth here that I want to suggest that God invites us to cultivate depth. Part of this parable has to do with the idea of cultivating depth that we are to um, really allow that word to settle deep within us. Like God's words planted in us. Uh, you know, don't settle loved one for nominalism. Aim higher than that. Aim higher than that. Don't just be someone who dabbles with the things of God. You know, as my grandfather used to tell me, if you're going to serve him, Taryn, you've heard me say this. If you're going to serve him, serve him. If you're going to follow him, follow him. Don't go halfway. Give it your best. Why not? I, I, actually, the Jesus way, that's how it works. It actually doesn't work well when we only just pick apart and dabble or live it on the surface. It doesn't. Actually, sometimes the only thing that can happen when we do that is, is it, the gospel, when it's only lived at a surface level, actually may make us more miserable than happy. And that's not his will. You know, the Jesus way doesn't work as a side dish. It works as the main entree. It has to be. That's the way it works. As, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the year, uh, another quote from Christina Rossetti. I mentioned her a lot, but remember this, remember we said this, choose love, not in the shallows, but in the deep. Choose love, not in the shallows, but in the deep. And what is that, again, from a heart standpoint, what does that look like? I think it, it means staying untangled from, as Jesus called, the cares of this world and the deception and uh, even the deceitfulness of a false security, which is what I think he was getting at. And um, how instead we are to embrace his words as true wealth that can never be taken from us. You know, and, and what we're reminded of in Colossians 3, that we are to let the, the words of Christ dwell richly in us. You know, let his deep, deep love uh, live in us deeply. 
uh, you know, again, we'll just put this up there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I love this other part, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We are to sharpen one another in the ways of the Lord, in the words of the Lord. Singing is a part of the Christian life. Singing psalms and hymns. In a lot of ways, we sing our worship songs are modern day psalms. Spiritual songs lifted up to the Lord with a heart of gratitude, thankfulness in our hearts to God. You know, that's what God wants for you and me. And how thankful I am for that, Lord, that you call us into the deeper life. That love is not meant to be lived in the shallows, but in the deep. Um, that's where I want to go with you. I know that's where you call us to. The abundant life. Oh, Lord Jesus, you know, teach us your ways and give us a humble heart that's open and not resisting you. Lord, if there's a, something specifically that you're asking of us to either let go of or hold on to, right? Help us not to resist you when you're trying to get our attention. Get our, I want my, my heart to be a place where your seed can grow and bring forth harvest 30, 60, 100 full. And I pray that for all of us right now, Lord. And so, you know, I'm going to come back. I actually have one more thing to share. You, you know, that's what I get to do here before I send you off with a blessing. And I just want to remind you, this is our time when I get to, I've, I've already actually mentioned it, but if you're not sure how you can give, many of you are aware of it already, I know, but you can give directly online. You can send it in the old, you know, the older way, the more traditional way, send a check to the offices, or you can give to the app, which is what I do. But as I like to say, it's always a matter of the heart. Give your heart first, always, because where your heart is, you know, there will your you know, treasure be also. So, but uh, yeah, Lord, receive this song. This song is, is a great song because it connects beautifully. It's the deep, deep love of Jesus that we want to have planted deeply into our hearts. And in the tradition of the church, we sing this unto the Lord, and then I'll come back around. All right, here we go.
the deep, deep love of Jesus. May it be at work in our lives. His words deeply living in you, studied and memorized, owned and loved. His encouragement flowing out of you, wisdom from above. His songs of joy inspiring you, a melody within your heart and gratitude defining you, thankful to do your part. That's my poem prayer for all of us. Yeah, run deep and then prepare to reap what it is that God is planting within us for a harvest surely will come as night follows day. It's not a question of whether good things will flow out of our lives. It's only a question of how much and to what extent, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But growth is inevitable if we commit our ways to Jesus. Let's be serious about the Father's business. Let's go out and be that sower in the field. Yeah, sharing the good word. Why? Because he's so good and he's so God and he wants us to what? So good and so God. Don't forget, you are so deeply loved. Ha. Huh. And my prayer for you is blessing in your spirit, soul, and body. This day, this week, this year, in Jesus' name.